Hey there. I am so excited about today's episode uh, because I am going to be talking about redefining trauma. Before we dive into today's episode of Moving Out of Trauma, I want to give you a reminder that if you are looking to practice more mindfulness and incorporate grounding skills in your daily life while also getting monthly updates about new content, head over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. Uh, You can sign up for our newsletter there. You'll get a free workbook with actionable steps that you can start using today to feel more grounded and present in life. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. All right, let's dive in. This is a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant to educate and inspire and is not a replacement for therapy. It does not constitute therapy services, advice, or guidance in the form of therapy or medical help to treat any condition. So please consult a therapist, your physician, or use the resources we provide in the episodes to find a provider near you. So this is a solo episode, so that means the guest is me. (laughs) Uh, My name is Candice Ledergerber. My pronouns are she and her, and I am an EMDR therapist. I also have a certification as a yoga teacher. I am a dog enthusiast. We have four of them. (laughs) And I am also a first-time mom to a wonderful, amazing human being of a one-year-old. I am so passionate about working with trauma survivors, specifically sexual abuse survivors. And I do this by blending EMDR as well as yoga-based techniques to help those individuals find some sense of grounding beneath them because trauma makes us feel like we're not on solid ground. So I help them to find that sense of groundedness. I help them to process that past trauma that just kind of feeds these negative messages into their lives. Uh, And I help them kind of sort through that to find really who they are authentically are at their core. Um, So I am, I'm so passionate about this work and I'm also so humbled that I get to do this work uh, because it has definitely been a long journey to get to where I am today. So Um, That being said, uh, this next section of the show is getting to know the provider a little bit better. And I heard this quote, um, and I (laughs) searched everywhere I could possibly find, but I could not find the actual source of the quote and who said it. Um, But the quote is, knowing a person is like music. What attracts us to them is their melody. And as we get to know them, we learn their lyrics. And I really fell in love with that quote, (laughs) y'all. So based off that quote, the section of the show is really just to talk with the provider, whoever that is. Uh, Obviously, today it's me. Um, But to talk about what goes into who this person is and really learning some of their music, some of their lyrics, some of their melody, um, just learning more about them and, and leaning into who they are. So uh, the first question is, why am I so passionate about this work? And 
Oh, while there are so many reasons I am passionate about this work, I think a large piece of this kind of comes back to the fact that I've, like I said, I have had the honor of working with so many trauma survivors um, in my career so far. And I think especially very early on in my career, it was really difficult to see people that were struggling with trauma who didn't have access to the resources they needed and were also handed this kind of like one fix it and done kind of thing. Like here, just go to therapy and talk about your feelings. You'll be fine. Or, you know, download this new app and you'll be fine. Right. Like kind of this fix it response. Um, and I, I felt like that was really almost a systemic issue, uh, that so many people were just handed this like, okay, just do this. You'll be fine. Um, without really learning their story, without really, gosh, leaning into who these people were and why they were struggling the way they were and really unraveling that story coming back to the trauma that happened. And now, of course, this was not every single person I worked with by any means, but I just, I feel like by and large, there were so many people that struggled with trauma and so many of them just got a one fix it answer. Um, and so like seeing that happen over time, right. And seeing like, here's this answer, do this thing, you know, you'll be fine kind of mentality taking place. And, seeing these people continue to struggle and also continuing to like blame themselves for it. Um, I knew that there had to be more and I knew that, um, I needed to do (laughs) more research and more education and more training to really, to help in this capacity. Um, and that's where honestly EMDR came in. Um, I, I was trained in EMDR and I really just fell in love with how, um, I felt as I was doing EMDR. Like, uh, so in the training, you have someone doing EMDR on you and you do EMDR on other people. So you're, um, you're, it's an experiential process. So you are working on yourself, (laughs) um, And so in that process, as I was, you know, being, experiencing EMDR in a very real way, um, I became so passionate about uh, the work and just the absolute shift I saw within myself, um, other people. And then as I, you know, continued on into the field and using these techniques, um, I just, it's almost like... um, like seeing a light bulb moment for, um, you know, a student or for someone you're working with that there's just this moment where a light bulb goes on and it's like, ah, I get it, (laughs) right? This little, you know, slimmer of hope, this little piece. Um, and, and that, that had me hooked. I just became so excited, um, by that possibility that, People who experience these crappy, crappy things could, in fact, heal and move out of their trauma. 
Okay, so enough about that one. <laughs> um, how does your personality show up in the room with your clients? So um, through this podcast, you will probably learn and it will probably just happen and come out in conversations. But uh, I typically am a little sarcastic. <laughs> I will have peaks of sarcasm kind of come in and not, I, I would hope, um, and I do believe, but um, I would hope and believe not in an unsensitive way, but almost like a, a silly way. Um, and I find that so often, you know, I work with individuals who are like, like dead set on these thought patterns that, um, oh, I'm trying to think of an example right off the top of my head. Um, so for example of like, no, the sky is not blue, it's red, Right. Um, having that thought pattern of like, no, this is this is the fact, and and really kind of bring in like a silly, sarcastic side of myself to be like, okay, but is it really like, hmm, let's let's think about that. Um, and like I said, it will probably just pop through um, as we do episodes, uh, and it'll come out more and more. However, um, it's a little hard to I guess embody that um, off the cuff, so. But that's definitely a piece of how my personality shows up. Uh, I can be very silly and a little sarcastic at times. So uh, let's see. What is the top thing you wish everyone in the world knew about EMDR therapy? Um, I think it would be, honestly, that EMDR therapy is not always for everyone. And that's okay, you know. Um, I think finding the type of therapy um, when you need it, as you need it, is what's important. So um, EMDR might be a great thing for you at one part of your life, and then you might need something else 15 years from then. <laughs> um, you know, and EMDR might not even be like the exact thing that you're looking for or a good fit for you. And that's okay too. Um, a big reason that I I wanted to do this podcast was this thought behind um, figuring out like the different paths to healing because there are so many paths to healing um, and some of them are multi-layered of, you know, you need the different types of layers of healing to really come to a, a whole place uh, but at the same time, there are so many different types and so many different personalities um, that, you know, the possibilities are really endless. And so I wanted to expose some of these possibilities to people so they can, again, stop, stop, or excuse me, start moving out of that trauma and really start moving into their authenticity in ways that made sense for them in the moment that they're in. All right, so now we're going to dive into today's topic, which is talking about redefining trauma. So trauma is a topic that has been at the forefront of a lot of conversations, uh, maybe not just lately, but especially lately. Um, but instead of focusing on the traditional definition of trauma, I want to explore this idea of redefining trauma and giving you a couple of real actionable steps that you can take today to start finding a sense of grounding and regulation for your body and for your mind. So just as a sort of trigger warning to this conversation, uh, you know, this can accompany some realizations and some deeper understanding of 
what you may have gone through at any point in life or may still be going through. Uh, So at the end of this recording, I will be providing a uh, resource that we often use in EMDR, which is a calm, secure state state change place, uh, which is kind of like a visualization or a meditation that will walk you through uh, just finding a place that you feel good, uh, as well as a container exercise, which is uh, also an EMDR technique that we use quite often when you know, maybe there are things that we're not quite ready to process, but we do need to hold space for them. Uh, So it's developing quite literally a container that you can put those things into until you can come back to them. So um, maybe if stuff comes up for you during this episode and uh, you notice that, uh, don't worry, we're going to do those exercises at the end to kind of re-regulate. And then at that point, you can put those things in the container And when you go to therapy or, you know, making a therapy appointment or any other kind of like healing path that you're on, you can then take those things out when you need them. So all of that being said, (laughs) um, trauma, let's start with where typically people's minds go to when they think of trauma. So typically people think about post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD and trauma overall is something that's defined as some kind of distressing or disturbing experience that can have long-term effects, not just on our mental health, but also on our emotional well-being. Um, So the thing that I want to start with is the fact that a PTSD diagnosis can be oftentimes very limiting. Um, And so I want to go into and talk about what actually qualifies as a diagnosis and why redefining trauma is so important. So for in order to qualify for a PTSD diagnosis, um, someone has to either have been through an event um, and that is some kind of exposure of either threatened death, serious injury, sexual violence, um, either by directly experiencing that event or witnessing someone else experience it, learning about a close family member or friend going through it, or it's a kind of experience that is repeated uh, and that person might have like extreme exposure to trauma. So an example of this might be like a first responder, um, someone who's seeing these kind of events every day. So that's a pretty rigid starting point, right? Um, From there, after they've experienced that event in whatever that looks like, like how I just listed, um, there's some kind of intrusion symptom that's present. And what that means is any kind of intrusive thing that pops up when you don't want it to, especially. So intrusive memories coming up about the event, uh, distressing dreams, flashbacks, or um, physical or even psychological like panic, distress, right? When thinking about the internal cues or the external cues that come up um, that might resemble that event or remind your your brain or your body of that event. Uh, So that's intrusion symptoms. Another piece is there has to be some kind of avoidance of the memories, of thoughts, feelings, external reminders, uh, or distressing memories that are closely tied to the traumatic event. There needs to be a negative change in mood and thoughts that are connected with the event. 
uh, that those moods or, or thoughts need to be um, after the traumatic event and then they worsen. Uh, so that could look like um, the inability to remember parts of the trauma, um, a big change in like negative beliefs about themselves or about the world, blaming themselves for the trauma, um, feeling like just in a persistent negative state of horror or fear, anger or guilt, um, not enjoying things they used to, feeling detached from others, um, or just the inability to really feel positive emotions any longer. So that's a lot already. (laughs) Um, But there also has to be two or more changes in how that person reacts uh, to the trauma, which can look like feeling irritable. It can look like angry outbursts, being reckless or self-destructive, having hypervigilance, which is like a really intense anxiety or being on edge all the time, or just being really jumpy or um, having issues concentrating or problems sleeping. So all of these have to go on for more than one month to be diagnosed with PTSD. And that is a lot of confines uh, and a lot of people that experience trauma may not actually be diagnosed with PTSD, but that doesn't mean that they didn't experience trauma and aren't experiencing a reaction to the trauma. So a really common belief I hear a whole whole lot of often <laughs> is that so often clients that I speak with hold this belief of, well, my trauma wasn't that bad, or it's not even trauma. It wasn't that bad. Other people have it worse. Why should I be upset that this happened to me when other people have XYZ happen, right? But what we really see is that trauma, big or small, can wreak havoc on our lives. So here's the definition that I want to share as redefining trauma symptoms and trauma in general. So I want us to think about this in more of almost biological terms and biological reactions. So for instance, when we get hungry, your body creates a signal to let you know, hey, you need to eat. (laughs) And so much like this, when we go through something traumatic, um, our body is like signaling us and telling us like, hey, you went through something like we need to work through this or our body's telling us, hey, we we need to slow down. Like we're just trying to survive over here. Um, the body is very, it is sending signals um, and trying to communicate something to us. And I think a lot of the times trauma gets associated with like this thought process of I wasn't strong enough. Um, But in truth, you were more than strong enough. You are a survivor. And on top of that, it is a reaction to an event. Um, And so it's not a reflection of you. It It is a reaction just like getting hungry is a reaction. So, um, The definition I want to share, I actually heard first on a Beyond Trauma podcast, uh, which I will link to them in our show notes. Uh, And they actually cited a uh, a article called The Body Comes to Therapy Too. And so this definition is that trauma is something that is too much, too soon, too much for too long, or too little for too long. 
and our bodies and our brains and our really entire being is going to react to that and is going to feel that, right? And so I want to kind of break those down a little bit. So too much too soon. Uh, A lot of clients that I hear uh, coming in have inherited (laughs) from uh, their family growing up a lot of responsibility very early in life and being expected to take care of themselves, take care of siblings, take care of the family, either emotionally or physically from a very young age. Now, even if this wasn't like a set expectation of like, you are going to take care of X, Y, Z, oftentimes it was like subtext. It was under the radar. And Clients, I find, feel like, oh, I had to step in and be the peacemaker. I had to step in and take care of everyone's emotions. I had to step in to take care of all of these things physically, right? So within a certain generation, I definitely recognize that this was the norm, right? And I'm not necessarily talking about that piece per se. I'm I'm talking about those pieces where the child genuinely felt like their needs were not being fulfilled, that they were they were feeling dysregulated by having this responsibility put onto them. Um, And I'd also like to add here that trauma is really subjective. It varies. And so what one person experiences as dysregulating and as traumatizing, another person may not. And that depends on a whole host of things, including our genes, our generational traumas, our environments, our support networks, so many things, right? So moving on to the next one, too much for too long. So things that kind of populate in my brain when I think about this term is a lot of the time, so our in our culture, um, in our society, there is a portion of the population um, where this is maybe flying under the radar or by large is accepted as just a part of this is the way it is, right? And so in a lot of ways, I think this can look like systemic oppression, racism, poverty, discrimination, right? So as the people who are genuinely, or excuse me, generally going through these different areas of hateful treatment, they also receive not just macroaggressions, they also receive microaggressions that impact their feelings of safety, and their ability or overall feelings of self-regulation daily. And again, this is not um, a fault piece. It's it's a reaction to trauma. It's a reaction to experiencing these events that are happening for so many on a daily, if not more than daily, um, hourly experience. And so I think that most because most of the most of these cases the people that have the most power and quite honestly where the money is those are not the people that are struggling with these issues and so this has been too much for too long for too many people that so many people are holding all of this stuff because of their identity and because of who they are and because of how the world or parts of the world uh, are treating them wrongly. So too much, too too long. 
So the last one is too little for too long. So when I think of this, what comes to mind instantly is that a lot of clients have shared that they have parents that may have treated them more like a best friend from a very young age. Um, Maybe not receiving the attachment or the love or the feelings of being cared for, um, but instead were felt being judged, um, felt unacceptable, felt like they had to be perfect or silent or fit into a specific mold of what was acceptable for their parent or the person that was caring for them. This person that was supposed to love them unconditionally had a box they were putting them in and that impacts them, right? And so again, I think this absolutely could be applied to areas of discrimination and racism where someone may feel like they have to fit themselves into a tiny box of what society wants in order to be acceptable. So all of these pieces are trauma. They're traumatic. When someone experiences these things day in and day out for however long or however young or before they were ready, like there's just too much and the body and the brain can't keep up. They can't regulate because they're in survival mode. All they're concerned about is just surviving to the next moment. And that's completely understandable because what they're experiencing is traumatic. So to really redefine trauma, we have to look through the lens of how it impacts the person who's experiencing it. And at the end of the day, whether it was an experience like what I've just listed, or it was one of the people that typically it might look like um, something like a, a trauma that would be listed in a PTSD, so like an assault or a car accident or being in a war, right? So the result is still the same, whether it was something like I just listed or it was something that would have been found in the diagnosis for PTSD. The result is still the same. In some way, shape, or form, the nervous system, the body, and the brain has been dysregulated. All right, so we are going to take a quick break uh, so that way I can provide you with some excellent resources uh, and some things that we have coming up here, and I will see you in a moment. I hope you are enjoying this episode so far, and I wanted to take a quick pause to share with you a few resources. So if you are looking for ways to find more grounding and more mindfulness in your daily life with real actionable steps, I've developed a workbook that will walk you through developing this skill. So it comes with a trauma-informed lens. Um, And so if you have tried mindfulness before and you have felt like it was more triggering than useful. Uh, That could have been because you were actively dealing with a trauma response. So this workbook is really designed for trauma survivors. And more than that, it gives you actionable steps and is packed with information. So whether your schedule looks like you are a stay-at-home caregiver, someone who works a nine-to-five, or someone or something else entirely, there is something in this workbook for you. So head over to Soul Mission dash emtrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to our newsletter where you'll get reminders once a month about new content and uh, 
an email will come directly to you for your free workbook. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast, or you can also find that link in the show notes. And if you are enjoying this episode so far, or you think that it could be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com. And lastly, if you would like to work with me and you live in either the state of Florida or the state of Arizona, I have openings now for EMDR intensive sessions. These are sessions that are longer than the standard 50-minute therapy sessions and can really help you reach a place of grounding and healing from past trauma quicker than the standard talk therapy session once per week. If you'd like to find more about this, I invite you to set up a free 15-minute consultation where we can chat about if this is the right type of work for you. You can go to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash contact, which will also be, you guessed it, in the show notes. All right, back to this episode. All right, we are back. So just to kind of recap, um, overall... I think it's more about shifting the focus from this traumatic event itself, right? From this thing that's like, oh, this is traumatic or it isn't traumatic. Um, And focusing more on what is the person's response to this thing, right? And that means recognizing that different people can have the same experience to the same event and experience it, right, in a vastly different way. And That's because trauma is so subjective. It's not just about what happened to that person, but it's about how it was internalized and how it was processed. So trauma definitely doesn't have to be a single event. It can be cumulative events. Like we talked about it going every day for way too long. Um, And I think we also need to recognize that trauma can be intergenerational right? It can be something that is passed down um, from generation to generation, impacting how we are approaching situations, how we approach our mental health, our well-being, uh, the stigmas around things. It, It can impact so many things and then also impacts how we're communicating those things to younger generations. Okay, so All of that being said, I want us to touch on a couple of ways that typically people find to try and cope as like negative coping skills, um, what it might look like to be in survival mode, and why this knowledge is important. Okay, so typical ways of trying to cope, um, and I want to kind of touch on this too, that negative coping skills, quote unquote negative coping skills, is really just a person's way of trying, again, trying to survive, right? Trying to find a sense of balance. Um, So this can look like drugs, alcohol, escaping into video games or books or movies or binging Netflix, uh, trying to attain perfectionism, or excuse me, trying to attain uh, perfection through perfectionism. It can look like constant anxiety and hypervigilance, right? All of these pieces, all of these things are something that someone does to try and make sure that they can survive, 
right? Make sure that it's okay and or (laughs) try and not feel the thing they're feeling, right? Which is completely understandable when you go through something traumatic. Again, whether you qualify for a PTSD diagnosis or not, you are still, your body and your brain is dysregulated from the event. And again, that is not a fault of anyone. It is a reaction to the trauma. So some red flags that we might be in survival mode. Um, If you are feeling like you are constantly overwhelmed, constantly trying to numb something or escape or just make things okay or to go away, um, feeling like you're pedaling water and just barely keeping your head above water sometimes or most of the time, not feeling a sense of release except for when you're using one of those maybe negative coping skills. All of these things echo this fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. So thinking about those responses, is there is there ways that you're trying to survive, trying to just get by, trying to cope in some way? when really you need more grounding and regulation to communicate to your body that, hey, it's okay, it's over, we're safe, we can breathe, right? And so that moves into why knowing this is so important, knowing this information. I truly, to my bones, believe that knowledge is power. And it helps us to know that we're not going through this freak occurrence by ourselves, right? Really and truly, there is something going on within yourself that a lot of people struggle with. And again, it's not a fault. It's not something that we should be ashamed of. It's something to educate ourselves on so that way you can find a better path towards healing. And I think it's important to note that healing can look like so many different things. It can look like therapy. It can look like EMDR. It can look like brain spotting. It can look like, um, oh gosh, art, art therapy. Um, It can be alternative treatments. It could be self-care techniques. It could be yoga. It It could be so many things. It could be spending time out in nature, right? It's anything that comes to a point where you are refilling that cup. You are re-energizing. You are restoring yourself and starting to slowly scratch away the surface of the things that have created the darkness. And I think it's important that every single person knows that finding the right approach, the right thing for you right now, right? Because 10 years from now, it may be completely different than what you need. Finding the right thing for you right now, the right healing path is what's important. There's no one set approach. There's no one size fits all. It's just what feels good to you right now as far as what works together to help promote that healing process. And, you know, that's what this podcast is all about. This podcast is all about sharing different providers' paths to healing, 
so they can share their passion for helping trauma survivors heal and everyone can learn new and amazing um, paths to healing um, and hopefully finding one that is a good fit for you. So, okay, (laughs) moving on to the next piece of our show, which is providers aren't robots. (laughs) So I will say that this part of the show is really just to humanize providers because so often I find that um, people think I live in my office or my bubble of office um, and kind of they only see me in that one moment, right? And I am typically seeing people at some of their worst moments. And so really humanizing providers because we are people too. (laughs) And now just a heads up, Probably almost every single episode that I share one of these will probably be about my kiddo because outside of work, he really is my everything. So um, about a week ago, I woke up hungry, which for me is odd. I don't typically wake up hungry. Um, It typically takes a moment for my body to wake up, but I woke up and I was hungry. So I, um, I wake up and sure enough, literally maybe two minutes after I'm awake, uh, you know, I, I hear my kiddo wake up. And so I go in and get him and start his daily routine. And, and as I'm trying to, you know, make myself something to eat after getting him ready, um, side note, he he was also getting over a cold at this point. He's teething. He's a one-year-old. He was grumpy and being clingy. And all he wants to do is kind of hang on my pant leg. <laughs> and so um, I'm trying to make some food for myself so I can stop being hangry. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, wait, well, he's grumpy. He Maybe he's hangry. I don't know. So then I transition into, okay, let me pause what I'm doing for me. Let me pause and try and make breakfast for him, right? And so I'm making him an egg and I go to try and flip the egg and it spills on top of the burner, makes a disgusting mess. <laughs> and finally I was just like, oh my gosh, okay. I need, I need a freaking pause button. I need literally a pause button like on the TV <laughs> to make everything go in slow motion and just breathe for a second. Because I was getting so wrapped up in, oh my gosh, I have to do this for him. And oh, I was getting frustrated and I'm hangry and I'm little tired because I have a one-year-old. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I needed that pause. So I, you know, put my hands on the counter, felt the counter beneath my hands. It was cool. <sighs> felt the feet beneath me and just took a couple of breaths. <laughs> and that gave me enough of a pause, enough of perspective to sit him in his high chair, give him something to munch on so that way I could make what I was making for me and then finish up now cleaning the mess I had made <laughs> and make food for him. So little tip there, find space for regulation, which is leading me to the next part of the trauma tip of the week. And so um, this is a part of the show where I just want either myself or our guests to share some kind of trauma tip that they find to be useful um, that you can start putting into practice today. So mine is really quite simply off of that story, find moments, find space for regulation. Um, And I recognize it is 
lot harder <laughs> to do when you are in the midst of a really crappy moment. Um, and I think those moments add up. They add up really quickly. And so if we can find space for ourselves to just breathe, even if it's like two moments out of 10, that we're making that progress, we're making that shift. Um, And if you want to learn more about grounding techniques and grounding tools, I can share a link in the show notes to a blog post I wrote all about um, really simple and easy techniques to kind of infuse into your day and um, something that that can just kind of help in those moments when you're, you know, about to pull out your hair. So I get it. All right. Last section of our show today is the final fast, sometimes funny questions. So... Um, I'm going to be asking these questions of every provider um, that I have on the show or talking about some kind of question like this. Uh, and so to start, I figured I would share my own personal um, feelings on them. <laughs> so the first question is, where would you go if you could visit any place on earth? Um, and I think I had to think about this a little bit deeper just now. <laughs> um, So any place on earth, I have always dreamed of going to Thailand. Um, And oh gosh, I've always dreamt of it. I I, I love Thai food. I think the culture is really cool. Um, I've just always dreamt of going. Um, And my partner and I actually were planning a visit um, and we're making payments to, to go there to to go and experience this wonderful place. Uh, and then COVID hit. (laughs) Um, I can't remember the exact month. I think we were supposed to go. Was it the end of the year? I can't remember. It was like, we were supposed to go like four months out. It might've been okay. Yeah. So it probably was like the end of the year, 2020. If like things got bad, I think I'm remembering like February or March of 2020. And so it was like we had already paid for things and we couldn't go. So someday, someday we'll go. Um, Should pineapple be on pizza? So this is a weird question, a funny question, but um, I I find that a lot of people have very strong opinions about it. So I thought I would include it. Um, I love pineapple on pizza. I love it. I think it's absolutely delicious. Do I want it for every pizza? No. But every once in a while, I love me some pineapple on pizza. So take it or leave it. Sorry. Um, All right. What makes me feel inspired or motivated to do the work that I love? So I love being a freaking EMDR therapist. Um, And I think the things that inspire and motivate me are my clients, honestly. It's those moments of, oh my gosh, we have been working towards this goal for, you know, however long and you've, you've started to find the shift for yourself that it's happening and you're doing it and you're putting it into place and you feel the healing and you feel the progress um, or quite literally in an EMDR processing session where we're, you know, doing the bilateral movements that people think of when they think about EMDR. Um, and seeing their, um, negative thought process or perspective on the situation. Um, so for example, like 
um, uh, oh gosh, slipping on my examples right now. Um, for example, like I'm powerless might be like a negative perspective on the situation. Um, but when I can see, um, as we're processing with EMDR that instead of I'm powerless, it becomes, no, I did everything I could in that situation. I, I did everything I could to just get through and survive. Like I am a survivor when it comes to shifting into those amazing moments. Ah, it just, it gets me really motivated to, to do the, the work I love and to get more information out there about EMDR. All right. What is one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you? Mm-hmm. It's funny. I made these questions, but I kind of forgot. <laughs> um, let's see. One thing people are generally surprised. I think um, hmm, probably that I have a lot of tattoos. I I really enjoy tattoos. I think they're really cool. Um, they're a great a great way to just show art. Um, if they're well done and well thought out, (laughs) um, definitely, definitely think them through all the way. Um, but yeah, I, I think tattoos are really great. Um, and I definitely have more than one. So that's, that's a fun passion that most people are like, really, you have tattoos? What? Okay. Last question. What does a simple moment of pure joy look like for you? So this is going to go back to my family and my kiddo. Um, and I think it's just those moments where like he's giggling or I see a light in someone's eye um, or just just those little tiny moments of, gosh, yeah, pure joy, just pure happiness um, that's unfiltered and raw. And I think those moments slip by too much, like we let them slip by. Um, and so I, I try as often as I can to, to capture them and to really like lean into them when they're happening. Cause I think they're important. Okay. So this episode was redefining trauma, um, and understanding that, you know, a lot of things can cause trauma and recognizing that trauma is a completely subjective experience, Uh, while also acknowledging that trauma comes from systemic injustices. And I think by doing this, by understanding more, we can also better support those who have experienced trauma in all of its varieties and work towards really just creating a better, better society, a better place for healing. And just to drive it home, there are so many paths to healing and different people find different things helpful, right? And so that's why I created this space. So if you or someone you love are dealing with the impact of trauma, I invite you to stay tuned for the different paths of healing um, that could help and maybe even subscribe, uh, recommend this podcast to another person if you found it helpful. Um, And if you're interested in EMDR therapy and you are living in Arizona, I offer intensive 90-minute sessions to help trauma survivors really move out of trauma, find the solid ground they're looking for, shift those stuck messages um, that were played from that trauma, and really just find their authenticity. 
Um, I offer free consultations. So if you're curious, please contact me and we can talk about if EMDR is the right fit for you. Uh, and if it's not, we can find what is the right fit for you. And if I know someone in the area that might be able to help. So thank you for joining me today on moving out of trauma. Um, like I said, if you like today's episode or if you think it would be useful for someone, please consider leaving a review or subscribing or both. Um, you could do this on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com. And if you have any questions at all, I'd love to hear from you. So you can find me over on Instagram at soulmission underscore EMDR therapy or on Facebook at Soul Mission EMDR Therapy. Remember, you did not choose trauma, and you can choose your path to healing. This is Moving Out of Trauma. So I just want to invite you to find a comfortable position and to make sure that you're doing this exercise somewhere uh, safe, somewhere where you feel um, that you can take a few moments for yourself um, and definitely not while you're driving. So we're going to start with the container activity and then move into the calm seat place. So it's good to have a secure place where you can store memories and issues and, and things that may need still some work. Um, but also maybe you don't need to focus on them right at this point. So if you think about it almost like cleaning up the files on your desktop computer. So you can just feel a little bit less overwhelmed and focus a little bit more efficiently. The files are in a safe place. You can access them the next time that you need to. So to start creating this container, I'd like you to imagine some kind of container or storage system that can securely hold as much as you need it to for as long as you need it to until you're ready to work on it again. So this container can be something you imagine. It could be something that's real. We just wanna make sure that this container has a lid or some type of secure closure. So that way there's a way to take things out only when you want to. Now it's important to note, we don't wanna put people in containers, but we can put memories and feelings and any kind of situations. So take a moment and really think about what that container might look like. Notice how the container feels. Notice how it feels that it's there for you. Should you choose to use it or when you choose to use it. And now if you need to use that container, I want you to picture allowing whatever needs to go in there to take its place in there. This can happen slowly. This can happen quickly. However it needs to happen, it's okay. Just allow the pieces, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings, the situation, whatever it is, to just slowly take its place into that container. Now, once you feel like the things that need to be in the container are in there, I want you to close that container. Some people like to imagine that there's a lock there or some kind of secured closure. 
beyond just a, a lid. So if you like, you can go ahead and lock that. And then just imagine it kind of taking its place back into wherever it needs to be. So this could be a place that you think of in your home. This could be an imaginary place, wherever it is. Just some place that we know that it's there when we need it. And now we're going to transition to that calm state change place. So this is a really good activity to develop a couple of ways to feel more calm and secure without really needing to rely on something or someone external than us. So one way we can do this to create this type of place that you can visit internally whenever you want kind of like having an instant mini vacation on demand. So see if you can think of a place where you might feel a sense of calm or a sense of well-being. You can imagine a place that's similar to one that you've experienced or heard about or read about. It's best not to use a specific memory with people, though from your own history. So some people like to think of the beach or the woods, mountains, maybe someplace they feel cozy. So just notice this place. Notice what you hear. Notice what you smell. Look around. What do you see? What do you feel? Maybe either the temperature, the time of day, even down to how you feel in your body as you imagine yourself in this place. Really just allowing yourself to soak up every single positive part of this place. The way it looks, the things that you hear, the things that you smell, the things that you might be able to touch, any textures or temperatures, and really encapsulating what you feel in your body as you're in this place, as long as it feels good and calm and a place of centeredness. Now knowing that this place is always available to you because it is within you. It's a place of your very own making, a place that you can return anytime you need whether it's for the quick deep breaths, returning the center, or maybe even winding down for the evening. This place is always here for you. So this recording is going to finish, but if you'd like to stay in this place a while longer, you're certainly more than welcome to do so. And I hope that you'll join me next time on Moving Out of Trauma.